What's going on, goons? I'm here. We're doing Notes of a Goon. This is a little bit of a different episode. Mike is not here. Uh, I'm recording only audio. You know, usually I put out some clips for you guys during the week for our more visual conversations. But it's just me. I didn't want to not have something to go out for you this Tuesday. It's your boy Chris from Brooklyn. You know, go follow the Twitter and Instagram at Chris from B-K-L-Y-N. Get it. Mike is the M. Harrington on those things. But he's not here, so fuck him. Um, Here's the thing. Like I said, quick mini episode. We're going to get a full episode out during the week where we talk about the stories of the week, this and that. You know how it is. Uh, Real quick, the reason why I have to do this is I've been doing these electrician jobs for NBC Universal. Uh, My buddy is in the uh, Local 52 Electricians Union uh, for stagehands, and um, he'll call me and he'll be like, do you want to make a couple of hundred bucks working with me tomorrow? And I'm going to tell you this right now. I always said uh, I didn't know of a lot of job opportunities when I was younger. Uh, I feel like the only jobs that were ever offered to anybody is like if you were really good in school, they'd be like, you could be a doctor or a lawyer. So you don't want to do those. There was really no incentive. If uh, if you knew you didn't want to be a doctor because it was a lot of work and uh, you would have to like deal with organs or something or like finger people's butts – because uh, that, that's all I know is uh, from movies, what you have to do if you're a doctor. You either have to uh, deal with organs or it, it, because of sitcoms, I knew that you had to finger men's butts. Uh, so I didn't want to be a doctor. Lawyer, uh, everybody always called those guys scumbags. So nobody was the, so there's no point in really being good in school. But then people tell you uh, you could be a cop or a fireman. Uh, those also seem terrible to me. Always did. I mean, I now obviously I had family. I, I made a joke on High Society that... Uh, you know, if I didn't find something else to do with myself, I probably would have ended up working for Verizon and miserable. And that's true because it's a nine to five job. Everybody I know that works there kind of hates the company, but likes the people. But this job, this local 52 electrician's job is the best fucking blue collar work I've ever done. It's so much. It's literally, I looked at my buddy, Phil, and I go, if we just had beers, this would have just been our 20s. Why didn't anybody tell us this was a job? If I had knew this was a job when I was 18, I would have found it and been happy and had a pension right now. Like, legitimately, it's we just unload a truck, bullshit for two hours, plug some stuff in, and then load a truck. And then we get paid for 10 hours. They're paying me $300 to get a COVID test every week. That's fantastic. Like, I just bike to the place where you get a COVID test. Get a COVID test. Boom. Three bills. This week I'm working two days. I'm working Monday and Tuesday. I've only been working one day a week because it's it's literally $500 to do almost nothing. Literally. By the way, working on a movie set, stupidest thing. I Like, you're just there and you're like, at any given moment, there's 200 fucking people doing fucking nothing. Nothing. Literally, I didn't see a single person... Like, we're just standing there in between shots, and I'm like, why is there just so many goddamn people here holding clipboards? There's four different people to tell people to put their masks on. No one's listening to any of them. I'm just saying, fantastic job. I remember the first time I did it with this dude, he literally called me and goes, hey, if you wake up at four in the morning, uh, we'll be down the block, and I just can put an extra guy on because that's the contract. They didn't need me. There was no point in me being there. I literally plugged four things in all day, and I made 400 bucks. And then I walked home. And he was like, you need like a per diem for a rental car, right? And I go, I walked here. He goes, eh, I'll give you per diem for a rental car. 
It's fucking sweet. There's this crazy thing about unions where everybody goes, the union is there to help the working man. And that's true. But it's to help the working man make as much money doing as little as possible. That's what they don't ever fucking tell you. And I support a union because that's what collective bargaining is. It's an integral part of capitalism. Everybody always says unions are supposed to be this thing for uh, communism and this and that. Like, no, like you don't really need it under communism, right? Because everybody's communal. Uh, everybody owns everything. You don't really need a union. Well, you need a union and collective bargaining and negotiating for your skills and the banner of using union labor because that's very important in this society. You need that in capitalism. I think it's a, it's a fundamental good part of capitalism. But let's just let's not pretend they're benevolent. They're just trying to help you make a buck. But like I said, I'm making 500 bucks doing almost nothing. Which I guess NBC's making millions and millions so they can give me the 500 bucks. But still. It's a great job. Uh, I wish I had found it sooner. Uh, I wish I I don't know what the minimums are that you need to do for the year. If I could work like five hundred hours a year or something and get benefits and add to a pension fund, I might just keep doing this. I may come out of retirement, folks, and actually do a fucking square job like a douche. It, it, it might happen. This is might be like literally we're just sitting there. I'm talking to guys. They're telling me about steroid abuse and fucking chicks. It was literally like just hanging out on a corner when I'm 22 years old. So that was fucking great. It's been it's been hilarious. All right, well, I, we don't have a drop. I don't have a drop. I'm recording this on an H6 Handycam. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is. It's just a recorder, so I don't have my moving on drop. Again, this is going to just be a shortened episode where I'm talking about stuff. One thing I got to talk about is that asshole uh, uh, Justin Silver. If you don't know who Justin Silver is, he's a gay Jewish comedian. Uh... Uh, very gay. Uh, so basically, last night, we're outside Brooklyn Comedy Club. Um, he's headlining. I'm doing a spot right before him. But I clock this interaction. He's yapping at me. He's talking, droning on and on and on. You know how fucking neurotic Jews do. He was droning on about some broad or something and just burr, 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 just having to deal with his mother, maybe. I don't even know. It was some broad. It could have been his mother. It could have been a chick. He was fucking. Jewish guys talk about those things the same. But he's going, da, 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 and I clock... The bouncer across the way, uh, Lamont is his name. I clock him uh, being introduced to this guy's white hipster friend. And I hear him go, yeah, I'm Lamont. And the guy goes, Lamont? Nice. Like, that is the most benevolently racist thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like, Lamont? Oh, shit. That's just the guy's name. Why are you talking to him like he's a Cadillac? Right? I wait for these guys to go inside. I go over to Lamont. Say that. He's like, he's like, yeah, I don't know what he thinks is going to happen. Just funk 70s music is going to play? I was like, yo, an Afro pick is magically going to hit you in the head. It's going to be like a reverse sword in the stone situation, and you're going to instantly turn into the classic Luke Cage with the yellow blouse on. Tell me how I say all this. Justin Silver waits off talking. My buddy Dre walks by, who I went to high school with, who I hadn't seen in years. We start talking about our friend Joelle. She's having a baby. We both talked to her on Instagram recently. And I was like, yeah, yeah, follow me. I'm, I'm over here all the time. If you're in Williamsburg, maybe we'll get a beer one night. And I look over. Justin is recording a conversation with Lamont, saying all of the things I just said to you that I had said to Lamont. Uh, recording it on Instagram. For himself to post. 
literally just took my exact conversation with someone I'm better friends with because I work that club more often. Like, what the fuck kind of shit is this? You know, I love Justin. I really do. But it's just, you don't always need content for your Instagram page. All right? Some things, I was just going to save that and just kind of tell that story on stage because I thought it was funny. I think it's a funny story. It's something new to work on. It's something new to tweak and add tags and make jokes with it. It's great. It's a great premise. And this asshole just throwing it out there for an Instagram story. All the girls that follow his Instagram are just looking for fucking muscle, shirtless muscle pics and dog photos. What are you doing? So Justin sucks. And I almost fought a guy in the midnight show. I fucking yelled at a guy. I called him a pussy. And then they fucking left. Phil Hunt is a uh, comic. Uh, he also went up and called them gay. There was two guys, one guy from the Bronx, one guy from East New York. The guy from East New York came to the show, said he knew it was going to be terrible because he had been to a show there before. And I'm like, why are you here? His friend was trying to have a good time. I literally go, you're embarrassing your friend, sir. You're not funny. You have no jokes. And he shut up and left after two comments. He sat there, got on his phone, was texting. I don't know what that guy was doing. His boy was a carpenter. I was like, what's your job? He's like, nothing. And I was like, so obviously you're just selling bad coke. Anytime you see somebody in a place that's free to sit, midnight show, free to sit, bad coke. Selling bad coke. That's what he's doing. He's waiting for somebody. He's waiting for a re-up. He's waiting to go see somebody. But so that guy, they, they just need to stop doing midnight shows at that location. Because uh, I got into a thing where Dalton almost fought a guy. Dalton Pruitt from the Loud Boys podcast almost fought a guy a couple months ago. That ended up, we were singing at the end of it. It was fine. But then there's been actual fist fights outside of this place. It's, it's, a, it's a situation over there. I mean, most of the shows are great. We had a great show. The, 10 the 8 and the 10 o'clock had great comics on it. F fucking television comics. Just good guys. Full shows. Very fun nights of comedy. And then these midnight shows, it's just like you're just inviting the drunkest, weirdest people to come in and do this shit. I don't even know if you're making money on it. You After what they paid me, I don't think they could have possibly made any money. It's just my, I wish Mike was here because I would tell it to his face. I would say it to him in his face, get rid of the midnight shows. Once you took them away from me, once it, once it stopped being the people Chris likes to drink with show, I was like, get rid of it. It's not good. It's not a good thing. Uh, here's another. Oh, we got an Ask the Goon, folks. I got to talk to you about this Ask the Goon. Uh, it was an interesting situation. Um, so I, this, is, this is one of the sillier. Sorry, my phone just rang. That's a thing that will happen when you're on the air and nobody knows you're recording something. Um, let me get this Ask the Goon. Uh, hey goons, this is from Chris O. A lot of people that listen to this show are named Chris. It's very strange to me. At least the ones that write in. And you can also write in at askthegoon at gmail.com. Hey goons, if your diet consists of nothing but corn, would you, it says would you shit, but I imagine he meant your shit, resemble a full corn cob or just bla blast corn buckshot? Thanks. Go Goon Squad. Now, this gentleman knew. I mean, I, I've never had an all-corn diet, but I'll tell you this. I used to get these large 
styrofoam cups of elote soup down the block from this lady who sells it out of a, a Gatorade tub. Delicious. But I'll tell you, as you get older, you can't really have corn the way you used to. It binds you up. So I would imagine maybe a 70-year-old man who ate nothing but corn, it might compact in his colon, and it might not come out like a corn cob, but I assume it would come out like some sort of Play-Doh corn-shaped thing, like in the back of a Play-Doh fun factory. That's how I think it would happen. I'm not positive. But uh, that I think that's an older and older man because you know they say you have all that extra layers of poop on your intestines, so it compacts it, it compacts it, so it just it's tightly in there, all that corn, and just it shoots out all at once. But otherwise, you're doing the buckshot, especially if you're eating the elote soup because they got the mayo out there in the sun, but they just throw a scoop out of it in the top. Some parmesan, it is delicious. I, it, it it makes me say when I say the mayo's out in the sun, you want the mayo aged to perfection. It's almost like kombucha mayo. It's fermented. It's delicious. That's how you want it. They plop it in there. You mix it all up. It's creamy. It's corny. It's delicious, but that'll lead you to the buckshot. Right now, where I'm at, I feel real bound up, and then when I finally get it out, it's like, brat, brat, brat. it's like it really is like, I honestly probably should just put a couple of small birds in my toilet and see if I could take them out. Maybe get a dog in there to pull them out of the water. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. It's something that maybe could happen, but uh, we got both things. I think as you're younger, buckshot. As you're older, corn cob Play-Doh thing. All right, Chriso, that is that. Askthegoon at gmail.com for all of your goon asking needs. Uh, I feel like I got to talk about this. This is something I wanted to talk about on the show a while ago and we didn't get to it. I've been thinking a lot about um, drug laws and tax laws, like tax stamps on cigarettes and stuff like that. And it's just prohibition laws, just in general, is just entrapment with extra steps. That's all it is. It's just entrapment with a few extra steps. Um, because what they do is they make something illegal <clears throat> and therefore they make it a commodity that you yourself can uh, make money on. And if you don't see anything morally wrong with it, the only thing keeping you from doing something is the threat of punishment. But if you need money bad enough, in a society that requires you to have money to live, and there's a prohibition law, you know, you're just going to do the thing. You're going to sell drugs. You're going to go it's with a prohibitive tax law like New York's cigarette tax. A pack of cigarettes should only cost about $1.50. You know what I mean? If you were in Virginia, if there was no taxes on cigarettes, maybe it'd be two fifty a pack at this point. But I remember as they gener- gradually raised the taxes, I mean, I remember they haven't raised the price of cigarettes much. But the taxes have gone so high, and they're selling less cigarettes. But it's like they have. I remember the cigarettes were two dollars and fifty cents a pack, and my mom used to smoke two packs a day, and it's why I never smoked cigarettes. My allowance was five dollars a week. She was smoking that daily. It's why I never got into cigarettes. I clocked that. You got to be on your fucking p's and q's, guys. You got to. That's that's the kind of mental awareness you got to have, even as a child. You got to clock your parents' stupidity, their nonsense, smoking cigarettes, two packs a day, $5 a day. At the time, you can get five comic books for $5. And I was just like, fuck you, mom. I could have five comic books every fucking day if you didn't need to smoke fucking cigarettes, which you only can smoke, and then they're gone. It's not like they're, whatever. Forget, forget all the th- stuff I said about cigarettes. 
Prohibition laws, like on drugs and all this stuff, is just entrapment with extra steps. It's like the Rick and Morty fucking, that's just slavery with extra steps. It is absolutely 100% just entrapment. When you make something illegal that people clearly want, you're just entrapped. And I think, here's, here's something crazy. I think they've set up the next level of tax stamp entrapment with marijuana in New York State. So we've talked a little bit about this on the show, but so New York legalized marijuana. So there's people just literally, and you're not supposed to be selling it, but there are people literally just selling pot on the street. Now they, none of them have vendor licenses. And I think the next mayor is going to come in. He's a black Republican cop. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think a lot of these kids who think shit is sweet are going to be in for a rude awakening once that guy becomes the mayor. Right? Because he's a neo he's a neocon for life fucking cop. Those guys do not have vendor license. And here's the thing, they gotta protect the croniest aspect of the marijuana business. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's <clears throat> so when they legalized recreational marijuana in California, they illegalized tons of companies. Great com- there was a great company called Cushy Punch. I loved their edibles. Fucking amazing product. But they created all these extra regulations. That's the thing about regulations that a lot of fucking liberals don't get this about regulations. When they create a lot of legal loopholes to jump through, it's only the guys with a lot of capital that can handle it because they already have the systems in place. A small guy who's just making edibles, all of a sudden you create 500 new regulations for him just to comply will put him out of business. That's what happened with our friends over at Smoked Honey. If you remember, Smoked Honey was a great sponsor over our Gas Digital. Uh, those guys were raking in cash for not everybody to this day. Like, they gave us a bunch of carts to take home from Vegas, and I just gave them out to my boys. To this day, those guys are all like, those are the best carts I ever had. Those are the best dab darts I ever had. I really wish we could still get them. No one was getting sick. Nobody was getting the vitamin E cough from it, any of that shit. Same with the cushy punch stuff. But they write these laws, and then what they did was they sent, so it's all, the big guys are still all in fucking action out there. The, the, the ones backed by billionaires are all still in action out there. And they always called California the Wild West. They passed the laws willy-nilly. And that's how the New York law was passed. But the regulations are coming. They've just formed the committee to decide on the regulations. Once those regulations are formed, and we have a new fucking, essentially, he's running as a Democrat, but essentially a Republican cop mayor from the old schools of busting heads. This motherfucker was a cop under Giuliani, under Bloomberg. Dude, I'm white and I used to get stopped and frisked constantly under those motherfuckers. It is going to be heads against walls fucking searching dudes. None of this. New York, put it this way. New York is the only place where you're allowed to smoke weed in the street. It's the only city in the country. You can't smoke weed in the street in Denver. When I was there, they all were like, every hotel worker, even at the airport, they go, don't be smoking weed outside, it's illegal, and you'll get arrested for it. Because they want to be this weird model for stuff. And maybe New York is latent up in the game where they can kind of be like, eh, eh, you know? We can't, we can't really be doing that. We can't do that right now. Like, so we can do whatever we want, but it's like, here's the thing. People, so who it really fucks over if they don't start cracking down on this, and this is this is where it gets weird, is um, small business owners that are 
socially equitable. It'll be a small, like, it'll be like a black businessman who owns a restaurant will open a dispensary. Now he has to compete with all these guys in the street. But he's got friends in the community board and all that shit. So, it's not... I, I, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's just it, it's going to lead to a lot more problems uh, than there are solutions. There's, there's nothing good happening with uh, the way they've rolled out legalized marijuana. And I really think once the cops get the go-ahead in New York, they are going to be busting heads again to try to take the tax base back. Because if you any of the guys I grew up with who still fucking hustle, they literally will tell you. You can go through their drug phones. All of these guys I grew up with who still fucking sell, you know, whatever, weed, coke, whatever they sell, you can go, th- they're like, you can go through my drug phone and you can see where all the fucking late 30s customers I had who were weekend warriors uh, stopped calling in March and then some started calling again that summer and then stopped calling again once they reclosed the bars when it got cold out. You can literally trace that. I've looked through five different guys' phones. You can fucking clock it. So New York has no tax base left. They're trying to do this to create tax revenue. Now there's all this fucking shit flowing in. They are going to be cracking down on that and it's going to be it's going to be a shit show. But that's the thing is like all of these people, so the people I'm talking about are like the 38-year-old progressives who were just living the New York lifestyle, who were all super liberal, who those are the guys who voted in a guy like de Blasio. A lot of them are gone. That's why we saw Eric Adams beat all those fucking Maya Wiley and all these people in the New York primary. I know this is super local, but I feel like enough national news places were talking about Andrew Yang's candidacy so that people kind of know about this. But I think it's going to be a it's going to be a crazy thing. I'm looking forward to it. The city will be alive, but the weed industry will be dead in a weird way because as I've said before, if you buy weed from a dispensary, you're basically a fucking narc. You are a fucking narc. How are they called why is it called a dispensary? Weed dealerships. That sentence was right there. They could have just said that. And I'll tell you this about that. Here's the thing about legal weed that's always bothered me. Always bothered me. That's just selling Girl Scout cookies for teenagers. What about all those dudes who live, who work at the movie theater and just need to sell a little extra weed so that they can just watch movies for a living? Those guys aren't fit to be a part of society. Fucking movie ushers. They still got to give their mom half the money for the cable bill, but they also need Jordans for community college. They do. We all know that this is true. Look, man, that white dread who's been selling fucking pop brownies at festivals for the net last 20 years. If everybody goes to dispensaries, what do you think? That guy's sales experience transfers over? It doesn't. He's now just a hippie white guy with dreads. That's it. And you know something? Where's he going to get a new personality? He's going to go get like tattoo sleeves or a face tattoo. There's going to be so many more SoundCloud rappers. In the next generation, it's ridiculous. And I've said this before. I said this on Dave Temple show. We talked about it a little bit on here where I said, um, just more 15-year-olds are going to sell Coke if you make weed legal. Because I knew so many 15-year-old kids who were selling just enough weed to make a couple of hundred bucks because they needed a couple of hundred bucks a week, especially in a place like New York City, right? In New York City, you're literally in school with fucking rich kids. You could be the poorest kid in the world poor black kid, you'd be a poor white kid in a school bunch of rich black kids, because that shit happens or at least upper middle class, there are plenty of like upper middle class, like firefighters I know guys, firefighters, upper middle class nice houses, black guys black fa- but you know what I mean, like my buddy D who was on the show, his dad worked for Pfizer, like it's like they're all, pla- so you just be whatever, you just be poor with those people in the same place, so it's like that kind of just, 
some of the guys I knew who were doing that shit, even me, when I was really, when I was in high school, I always looked at it as like leveling the playing field, right? I never was going to be able to go study abroad in Barcelona, but I could fucking flip a couple fucking bags and then fucking go to Barcelona and get a fucking passport. So if I didn't get arrested, I'd be fine. And it kind of like leveled the playing field. You could be a little bit more worldly. You had money. You could go to a nice restaurant. And uh, uh, now all those people who still want that are just going to sell Coke to your children. Uh, maybe we'll stop prescribing a Adderall, though. That's probably a good thing. I don't know. There's a lot more to think about here. Like I said, this is a mini episode, but here's what I need you to do. Go check out our sponsor, Yo Delta. You know about Yo Delta. YoDelta.com for all your Delta 8 THC needs. What? How the fuck are you talking about that? Delta 8. Well, in those places, look, I, I'm for decriminalization. Remember when we talked to Eliza Orleans and she was like, decriminalize, do not legalize? That's kind of how I feel about pot. Decriminalize, but don't legalize. Kind of like what's happening in the streets now. Just keep that. Don't create the regulations. Just let everybody just sell the fucking pot. Have an unregulated market. Granted, but then they won't pay their taxes. But here's the thing about Yo Delta. They do pay their taxes. And here's the thing about Yo Delta again. Delta 8 THC is legal. In a lot of the places, weed is still illegal. Right? So you can't get locked up. This is the difference. So once weed's legal in a place, you don't know about... I'm just saying buy from your local guy rather than the dispensary. Support that guy out because you don't want to give money to the government. That's all I'm saying. But if you're in a place where you can still get your fucking head split open with a fucking nightstick for having fucking pot on you, Delta 8's a good fucking choice. And Yo Delta, they'll help you out, man. They're, you know, they're this Yo Kratom guys. They will help you out. Uh, we gave out a bunch of the gummies at uh, uh, Summer Porch Tour. People got high off of them. They're high quality. We were in Massachusetts where Bud is legal. But we had some. They were sponsoring the show. We threw it out there. It's a quality product. Check out YoDelta.com. Use the promo code GAS. You're going to get 25% off your order. And you know what? That's the show. Good night. All right. This is weird. I'm making Mike splice a drop in in between. Um, I'm just such a fucking hypocrite. I can't believe I did that whole thing about decriminalizing, not legal. I apologize. I apologize to the good people at Yo Delta. I apologize to all the... I am such a hypocritical fucking asshole for hawking Delta 8 THC in the midst of a rant. I... If all of you people fucking hated me. After, I'm literally... I'm sitting... I literally was sitting... I just uh, got up to take a shit and was like, God, I'm a fucking loser. I am a hypocritical asshole, and I apologize to every one of you, and I see that I'm a dickhead, but you know, yo, Delta.com, promo code GAS, 25% off. Uh, I stink. Uh, uh, I'll go fuck myself now. I'll see you later in a week. Goodbye. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar.
Little girl. 